Good morning, everyone. And we are all here. <laughs> the four of us here in the B1 worship hall. And we're thankful to the Lord that we could make it and that he has allowed us to use this way in which we can worship him, come before him as one body in Christ. So uh, let me begin with prayer. Father, we do thank you and praise you for the fact that you are in the heavens and you are aware of our condition, our situation. And we rest in that, we rest in you because you have allowed us to enter before your presence with praise and thanksgiving in our hearts. Thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Thank you that we can be one in heart even though we're separated by viruses and snow and conditions. We are still one in you. And we pray for the many congregations that are meeting in, in this style and this way throughout the world. We uh, sense that these are days in which we can be free to express our love and our adoration and our praise to you. Going throughout the world, we're just amazed. But you aren't. You've been aware of this day. And so we thank you. And we give you our hearts, our minds, and our spirits to lift us and lift one another. Bless those who may be suffering today. And may we come before you with praise and adoration and worship. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. I want to share from the very beginning some scripture that I believe we can receive as a exhortation, as an encouragement. Hebrews 3, 1 to 6. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And we are his house. If indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. Praise the Lord. We're not going to be able to sing and worship with instruments. Thank you, Beth, for your gift, but you can rest. Beth, we, we love you and we thank you for your gifts, but we're going to read our praise this morning. Psalm 107, 1-7. Now I'm going to explain to you that there is a repeating phrase five times in this psalm that we're going to read together 
And this will be our praise to the Lord. This psalm is looking at Israel, but we, according to the New Testament, are a part of Israel, God's people. And so as we say, as we speak 107, let's remain focused in understanding the words. May the Holy Spirit use his word even as we lift our praise to him. What will happen is I will read 107 from 1 to 7, and then there will be a response that we can say together as we go through this. So at home, you will see verse 8 and then subsequent verses that follow each set of verses, and we'll say this together. So if you're with your family or just by yourself, speak it out. That particular verse will be on the screen for you to see. And let's go. Psalm 107. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his loving kindness is everlasting. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the adversary and gathered from the lands and from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. They wandered in the wilderness in a desert region. They did not find a way to an inhabited city. They were hungry and thirsty. Their soul fainted within them. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. He delivered them out of their distresses. He led them also by a straight way to go to an inhabited city. And let's repeat verse 8. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness and for his wonders to the sons of men. Psalm 107, 9 to 14. For he has satisfied the thirsty soul and the hungry soul he has filled with what is good. There were those who dwelt in darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners in misery and chains. And that's true right now as we speak. Because they have rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High, therefore he humbled their heart with labor. They stumbled and there was none to help. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. He saved them out of their distresses. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death, and he broke their bands apart. Verse 15, let us repeat. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness and for his wonders to the sons of men. For he has shattered gates of bronze and cut the bars of iron asunder. Fools, because they were rebellious and because of their iniquities were afflicted. Their soul abhorred all kinds of food and they drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. He saved them out of their distresses. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Verse 21 together. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness and for his wonders to the sons of men. 
Let them also offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his works with joyful singing. Those who go down to the sea in ships, who do business on great waters, they have seen the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he spoke and raised up a stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. They rose up in the heavens and they went down to the depths. Their soul melted away in their misery. They reeled and staggered like a drunken man and were at their wit's end. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he brought them out of their distresses. He caused the storm to be still so that the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad because they were quiet. So he guided them to their desired haven. Verse 31. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness, for his wonders to the sons of men. Let them extol him also in the congregation of the people and praise him at the seat of the elders. He changes rivers into the wilderness and springs of water into thirsty ground, a fruitful land into a salt waste because of the wickedness of those who dwell in it. He changes a wilderness into a pool of water and a dry land into springs of water. And there he makes the hungry to dwell so that they may establish an inhabited city and sows fields and plants vineyards and gathers a fruitful harvest. Also he blesses them and they multiply greatly and he does not let their cattle decrease. When they are diminished and bowed down through oppression and misery and sorrow, he pours contempt upon princes and makes them wander in a pathless waste. But he sets the needy securely on high, away from the affliction, and makes his families like a flock. The upright see it and are glad, but all unrighteousness shuts its mouth. Verse 43, who is wise? Let him give heed to these things and consider the loving kindness of the Lord. Amen. Amen. All praise to our Lord Jesus Christ. We agree with that and we understand that as his people, we are no different than Israel. We are no different than all of history combined together. Yes, we have all this technology and fly from here to there. And Jesus himself predicted that and understood that this is the culmination of all things. But there is a future for us. And we exalt in that future, in that promise, in the covenant that God has made with Israel and for us who are here in foreign lands, Gentiles that have been grafted in, the blessing of the Lord is to those who love him and seek him and follow him. And we just bless every congregation that is gathered throughout the world today in praises to our Lord and our King. And we have great hope and we encourage one another with these words. The Lord bless you where you are. My message for today comes out of 
John 14, 1 to 6. And this is a passage that I think we will see some things that there are parallels and situations that we can relate to. Even in what is happening worldwide with the disease and with those things that seek to challenge our courage and our faith in the scriptures. But let's take courage from the scriptures. This coronavirus outbreak comes at a very interesting time. We are coming up to an annual event in our church calendar that brings us to another perspective other than to panic and to worry. Let's consider the words of Jesus to those who felt their world was coming to an end. In John 14, 1-6, there is a timely message for us these days. Jesus wants us to see these days in the light of his word. Not by listening to the speculations and warnings of the news broadcasts, although they are meant to bring security and order. And we thank God for those leaders who throughout the world are recognizing that this is beyond their strength and doing. And we pray for them. We're commanded to pray for our leaders and rulers. And let's continue to do that in these days. But looking to the scriptures which have given comfort to the believers across the ages in times of great trouble, let's read Jesus' words to his disciples from John 14, 1-6. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many places. For if it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How do we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Very significant passage here. And I've got a simple outline that I would like to share. Three points. And I think we'll be able to understand God's word to us in these days. The setting the place, and the way. The setting is in verse 1. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. What is the setting or the context of Jesus' words here? Of course, we who know the Bible well know that this event in John 14 is what we as the church today celebrate some churches on a monthly basis, some on a weekly basis of communion and coming together to celebrate the Passover in a focus on Jesus as the Lamb of God who's come into the world and who has fulfilled all prophecy. And we as the people of God share in that worldwide. 
we thank the Lord for the fact that we have come to this age and this era in the world that we can grasp and understand by looking back at the scriptures and understanding God's plan all through the ages to bring the ultimate focus to be upon our Lord Jesus Christ. What is the setting or the context of Jesus' words as we read them in uh, John 13, 1-3? Now before the feast of the Passover, Jesus, knowing that his hour had come, that he would depart out of this world to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, the devil, having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come forth from God and was going back to God, got up from supper. Just to look at this passage a little bit, it might be a little bit confusing, but it says in verse 1, Now before the feast of the Passover... So what we normally take as a Passover meal really was leading up to the actual feast of the Passover. The actual piece of the Passover was Jesus Christ himself on the day of his crucifixion. But this supper that Jesus had for his disciples was to bring them together to understand that what he was doing was the Paschal Lamb, that he was the sacrificed lamb on behalf of every man, woman, and child who has ever lived and is living in the world today. Passover happened the day that Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, was crucified. This supper was Jesus' revelation that night before to his disciples. And their hearts were together in focus, except for one. The context of this meal was anything but peaceful. There was consternation, there was fear, there was a pressure from outside by religious leaders who were seeking to seize Jesus and to deal with his, to them, heresy. And he needed to be either stoned or put to death. But God had another plan. Satan comes to us in times of some of the most holy things that happen in our lives. Because he is a hater of our Father God. He is the one who declared before creation, I will be like the Most High. And so that has been his pursuit. And we still deal with him today. However, there is a solution. And we might think that this is very unusual what is happening worldwide right now with the coronavirus. It has intentions to separate us. But God has another plan to show his intention to bring many people to himself. So we have this as kind of a evil versus good. And we see in it a conflict of even the words that we're going to be reading here of what Jesus is trying to share with his disciples. 
And so Satan has dared to come into this sacred time when Jesus is sitting with his disciples. That's the nature of who he is. In John 13, 12 to 27, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, the Lord and teacher, washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. I do not speak of all of you. I know the ones I have chosen, but it is that the scriptures may be fulfilled, as in Psalm 41, 9, he who eats my bread has lifted up his heel against me. So the presence of Judas with the other disciples was God actually displaying the conflict of the ages right from the garden when God had made this beautiful garden for Adam and Eve and for their descendants. The snake was there. The serpent was there to entice and to throw up a false tree of life. And so the conflict began over humanity, God's greatest creation. And Satan, the hater of God, not the lover of man, Satan is there to destroy, to kill. And so this coronavirus we might see as where did it come from? How did it come about? Comes from our sin. It comes from us as sinners, having given in to a fallen angel who is seeking to usurp the true God of heaven. And so it shouldn't be as a surprise to us who know our Bibles well that there is going to be persecution, there is going to be hardship. And we've looked before many times in the book of Revelation, and we've seen the plagues and the cause of great distress in the world. And it was a hard book to have to preach week after week. But the truth is, it brings out more than I think any other book in the Bible, the significance of Jesus as the Lamb of God. 29 times, if you remember, the word or the name Lamb is mentioned in the book of Revelation. So the focus is on Jesus and his death and his resurrection on our behalf to deal with our sin, to deal with our fallenness, to deal with the sin and the corruption that is around us. And so it's not surprising that right in the midst of the 12 sitting around this meal that we have Satan present there, trying to entice, trying to do his work. But the amazing thing is that the story of the God of creation, our Heavenly Father, goes on and it is coming to a good conclusion where all heaven praises and worships the lamb that was slain. The lamb that for you and for me, this is our medallion. It's our crown. 
It's our hope. And it's founded on the solid rock, Jesus Christ himself. We stand in this place with an understanding that it's our Father who is preparing the way ahead for us. And so we have this word place in the scripture that we're looking at. In verse 2, in my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Right now, here in Japan, around the world, we're told to stay in our homes. Well, that's a place. We're even being told, don't go to your jobs. But that has meaning for me. That is, you're taking something away from me. But the word place is very significant here. Jesus came for us to give us a hope in a future, to set aside for us a place. Remember he said, it's good for you that I go away. In my father's house are many mansions. And some of us think, wow, what's my house going to look like in heaven? What's it going to be like to not have to pay the rent or the, the bills, but we sit in the lap of luxury for eternity? I don't believe that. I don't believe that we're just sitting there on a cloud playing our harp. We are meant to work and do the works of God. As he has created our world, so we have a place where we can be productive, where we can be his children in obedience to him, caring for what he has created as our Heavenly Father, as our Creator. And I will come again, Jesus says, and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And in John 13, 34 to 35, you'll notice that I'm bouncing back to chapter 13, but it's significant because it speaks to John 14. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. What an incredible God. What an incredible Savior. What an incredible salvation we have as his people. Praise to his name. That we can stand with that assurance that we are his and he is ours. That relationship to be unbroken. To be the ultimate in human beings like ourselves. Being redeemed by our Savior who came in like flesh as we, yet without sin, so that he might be for us our Savior, our elder brother, the Lamb of God, the one who takes away the sin of the world. And Jesus says, And you know the way where I am going. And Simon Peter is much like most of us, 
Lord, why can I not follow you right now? I will lay down my life for you. Simon Peter says in 1336 to 38, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answered, Where I go, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow later. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you right now? Have any of you recalled when you were a kid? I want to do it now. I want my way. Peter sounds like so many of us who seek to have what we cannot have. And yet we put it in the air of what Peter does, which is even worse, I think. I will lay down my life for you. You know what? We cannot make deals with God. What he requires of us is as a servant. That we come to him with full understanding that I'm yielding myself to you, Lord Jesus, to the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that I can't demand even the sacrifice of what I'm willing to do. Yes, it is good for us to be able to say, Lord, I will follow you. But Peter is putting in there a sense of, why can't I follow you right now? I will lay down my life for you. Remember, Satan was in that room when Peter said that to Jesus. And Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, a rooster will not crow until you deny me three times. So early in the morning before dawn, Peter was sitting by a fire and saying, I don't know him. I'm not a part of him. And yet they were saying, well, you sound like one of those disciples. You look like one of those. And he denied his Lord three times. Oh, Peter. My heart is so much like yours. How many times have I denied what I said that I would do for him? And I have not. We're in a, a situation right now, worldwide, where we're trying, trying, trying to find a solution to beat down this enemy, when in fact, what is happening is we're proving our frailty. We need to turn to the living God, our maker. And you know what? I do hear reports of those who are declaring themselves to be believers and followers of Jesus Christ, even in places of prominence. Katie and I just heard a testimony last night of a doctor who put his faith and places his faith in the Lord. And this is a witness and a testimony, an encouragement to all of us that, yes, we are frail. And yes, this coronavirus is not because of some fault in the creation, other than what we brought to this creation in our own hearts and saying, I want my way. 
and we have fallen as human beings when we haven't gone God's way. And you know the way, Jesus said, where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How do we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, not one soul, comes to the Father but through me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. How we bless you and are grateful to you for this great salvation. And as our neighbors and friends are concerned and are fearing for their lives, and some are suffering right now because of this, but it's because of our sin. But you are the way, the truth, and the life. And we come to you, Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ. And in these days, we ask for mercy. We bless our neighbors and our friends and our family, that they soon turn to you and understand that you are seeking for us to turn in our desperation, to understand that you are Savior and Lord, and your truth is the only truth. Cause that we would be the people of God who are so aware of our own frailty and sin and brokenness that we can admit to others, yes, I was in need of Jesus Christ and his salvation. And in coming to him, I found rest. I found salvation. I found eternal life. Oh, Lord Jesus, pour out your spirit upon us these days. Pour out your spirit upon your church, particularly for this land that we've been called to. We ask that you would show mercy as you have shown mercy in past decades and ages. Move by your Holy Spirit and through your word and allow us as the members of the body of Christ to be able to speak boldly, not in our own pride and worthiness, but in the fact that we have found the Savior. Come and join us. Come and let us be followers of the Lamb. Oh, Father, anoint your church here in Japan. Bring us to a place where we can be your witnesses, standing boldly and declaring, yes, Jesus Christ died for me, cleansed my sin, and he can do it for you. Give us a heart that will go out with a readiness to be your disciples. You are the way. You are the truth. You are the life. And we come to the Father through you, Lord Jesus. Amen.